0: sleepcoolnow.com 1212.
1: This is a special hour number three of the World According to Zig podcast for this November the 12th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of the show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media and sports and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. it's a special hour number three once again this week because uh, I'm going to do an interview with someone who is uh, quoted uh, quite uh, dramatically and uh, quite often in the book of the person who was our hour number two guest, Mark Pendergrass, who wrote the book uh, out this week, The Most Hated Man in America, Jerry Sandusky and the Rusted Judgment. Uh, She is uh, someone who I have um, communicated with for several years, but she's never been able to do an interview because of uh, her involvement uh, in this case, both for the Penn State administrators and more recently for Jerry Sandusky's defense team. Uh, himself. Uh, Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Loftus, and she joins us now. She is a distinguished professor at UC Irvine and one of the world's foremost experts on the issue of memory and uh, someone who I have a lot of respect for. I'm really glad to speak to. Dr. Loftus, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Now, you and I first became acquainted, I don't know if you even remember this, about four years ago. It's been a long time, uh, oh, gee. and uh, it was because you know, of my interest in the the Penn State case. And at first, I presumed, like everybody else did, uh, that Jerry Sandusky must be guilty. And the reason why I first contacted you was because I was interested in your view on how memories may have shifted with regard to the infamous Mike McQuery episode, the uh, episode of the, uh, the graduate assistant who allegedly saw Jerry in the shower at Penn State, testified to it uh, 10, 11 years later, and that's what brought down Joe Paterno. And I'd still like to talk to you about that today, but in the course of our first conversation, you, you happened to, to say something to me that really I'll never forget, and uh, you said something to the lines line, on the lines of... What makes you think Jerry Sandusky was guilty? Do you remember that, by the way? I'm curious if you. Uh, I,
2: I don't, uh, but I, and I because I can't remember exactly when we talked vis-a-vis when I began to consult on behalf of the administrators in that case.
1: Right, and that that's part of why we've never done a public interview because, as long as their case was pending, you know, you felt like you had to to remain loyal to that, and I and I've understood. Well, anyway, you said that to me, and I'm like really? And you you started to talk to me about the issue of repressed memories, which you have been very critical of as a a memory expert. uh, And and you really had a huge influence on changing the way that I looked at this case. And you ended up testifying on Jerry Sandusky's behalf at uh, one of his appeal hearings. And so I guess very broadly... Could you give us your view in light of Mark's book, which has just come out and we interviewed him this week, and I know you're, you've been very supportive of that work and other works that Mark has done on this issue of repressed memories. What is your view in totality of the Sandusky case?
2: Well, well, first of all, uh, a view about repressed memory. Okay. Uh, the idea that we can have... Uh, repeated and prolonged brutalization happen to us and that we can banish all of these horrific trauma memories into the unconscious, be completely unaware that they happened to us and that we then go into therapy and we can reliably recover these memories and that we need to do this in order to heal ourselves. This is what Dr. McNally from Harvard has called the repression folklore there is no credible scientific support for it. Uh, so, it, it's been my position in general that we shouldn't be prosecuting people or depriving them of, 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 you know, money that they shouldn't be deprived of based on some flimsy, unsupported theory. And I feel that some of this um, belief in repressed memory and the actions of uh, repressed memory therapists may have actually gone on in the Sandusky case to create the memories that were put forth uh, as a result of this process.
1: And what made you come to that conclusion, and what influence do you think that that had on Sandusky's eventual conviction?
2: Oh, there uh, there were bits and pieces uh, of evidence. Um, Even uh, you can find even uh, almost like confessions in uh, one of the books that one of the accusers wrote, along with the help of his therapist, and there was reason to be suspicious from reading that book about whether some kind of repressed memory therapy had gone on.
1: Uh, uh, let me let me stop you right there, Dr. Law, just because that's important. Uh, for people that don't know, that's the book by Aaron Fisher called Silent No More, by, also by his mother and his therapist, Mike Gillum. You and I are one of the very few few people who have actually read that book. Uh what was your evaluation of that book uh, vis-a-vis whether or not it proved or perhaps disproved Jerry Sandusky's guilt?
2: Well, I you know I, I don't want a, a, a test right now, you know. <laughs> is, I'm not here to take a final exam on a book I read several years ago. So, uh, uh well, do
1: you remember what your impressions of the book were?
2: I I just remember having the impression that this pe- therapist was playing some kind of extraordinary role in this whole situation and perhaps leading this uh, accuser to, to the construction of some memories and then reinforcing those memories and, and kind of holding his hand and, you know, trotting along with
1: him. And, and from, from the standpoint of the way people respond to stories and their own memory. How significant is that, Dr. Loftus? I mean, how susceptible are we in general? And, and maybe if you could relate it to the, specific, the specifics of the Sandusky case, how vulnerable are we to suggestive questioning when it comes to perhaps creating in our mind things that didn't really happen, especially when they're in our self-interest to come to those alleged memories?
2: Well, in the work that I and other memory scientists have done, we have shown that you can, with suggestions, suggestive questioning, suggestive information that comes from lots of sources, you can get people to remember things differently from the way they were. You can get them to create entire memories for things that didn't happen. You can get them to create memories of things that would have been pretty upsetting and horrible if they'd actually happened. Uh, in In the scientific work, we haven't. Uh, been planting memories of being sexual abu- sexually abused for years, but we we have planted memories that you were lost and frightened or that you nearly drowned or that you were attacked by a vicious animal or that you committed a crime uh, as a teenager. These are the kinds of things that scientists have planted in the minds of otherwise ordinary healthy people, and they come out of these suggestive processes believing and remembering in these completely made-up
1: experiences. Let me ask you about the the issue of transference of memories, Uh, because it appears to me that there's a very good chance in the Sandusky case, given the nature of the men who were uh, involved in this. They were all from broken homes, uh, bad situations. That's why they were in Jerry Sandusky's charity to begin with. What, what is your view on the possibility or even the probability that someone, if given suggestive questionings, uh, questioning and, and, and suggested to them by people they trust, therapists, investigators, police officers, whatever, that Jerry is a pedophile who may have abused them, that they may have either consciously or subconsciously transferred actual abuse from somebody else to help them enhance their story about Jerry? How, how would the human mind work in that kind of a situation?
2: Well, I have no idea if that kind of thing happened, uh, but you could get false memories uh, of, of abuse by Sandusky uh, even in the minds of somebody who hadn't had a troubled uh, youth. Uh, you, you know, you don't have to have that as an ingredient. Right, uh, it, but it is true that people will sometimes um, misremember uh, different details about experiences, and they could think that something ha- that happened at location A really happened at B, or that happened with person A really happened with B. Uh, you know, these are, are memory mistakes that ordinary, healthy, otherwise uh, people trying to be honest can make.
1: Now, you uh, agreed to testify on Sandusky's behalf at one of his appeal hearings. Tell tell us about that experience in general and why you decided to, to testify.
2: Uh, well, for many years, I uh, was not able to do any consulting on Sandusky's case because I was retained to consult on behalf of the administrators, the Penn State administrators. And the issue is you know what? What did they learn, and when did they learn it? And you know, could their memories for what they knew over the over the decades uh, be distorted? Uh, and 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 that was the issue that I was focusing on. Uh, but once those cases were resolved, and I was um, and I was free to to talk to uh, Mr. Sandusky's uh, attorneys, um, I offered. A, some opinions about, you know, what may have gone on in this case, which could be repressed memory therapy and other forms of suggestion that led to the creation of memories.
1: Now, I have sent you um, some rather strong evidence that one of the key therapists in this case, a therapist who uh, treated several key accusers, is a what i perceive to be a very strong believer in repressed memory therapy what having reviewed that evidence what is what was your evaluation of that
2: well it's clear that this the therapist is a very strong believer in repression interestingly she did uh, or does what some of them now do which is to say something like i don't i don't like to use the word repression instead i want to use the word association You see, in the last uh, more than a decade, the whole concept of repression has been so challenged that professionals who want to cling to it will try to distance themselves a little bit and use the word dissociation instead of repression. But dissociation is an umbrella term that means a whole lot of things. Uh, And, you know, my response to that is I don't care what you want to call it. Just tell me what the evidence is that you can be repeatedly brutalized and banish the information into the unconscious and be completely unaware of it by some process that's not ordinary forgetting and remembering. And most of these uh, therapists can't give you any evidence except to say, well, in my clinical experience or or point to some anecdote.
1: And just so people understand, because... Most people have either forgotten or never bothered to get the details of the Sandusky case. It's, in my view, um, particularly important to understand that when you have a situation now where 35 men have been paid by Penn State, and yet nobody ever told anybody contemporaneously about any of this, and how and how so many of these guys have relied on some version of repressed memory therapy, disassociation, or post-traumatic stress disorder to explain why it is that they never said anything about this or, and never and, and acted like they never happened because they were, had very close relations with Sandusky. Wouldn't there be one person out of a group that large who would break the mold and wouldn't repress those memories and would be so aware of it that they would tell somebody else and act in a way towards Sandusky that was consistent with having uh, suffered this kind of abuse, yet we don't have that? So isn't so isn't the absence of anyone breaking the repressed memory mold actually evidence that this is all very suspect?
2: It's very peculiar that you would have every single every single accuser be somebody claiming massive repression because you know many people many people who are genuinely abused um, they don't tell anyone um, they it's not that they forgot or repressed their memory they just didn't want to tell and maybe at some point they have you know the courage to stand up and say that this is what happened to me that happens. i don't know where these people were in this particular case but you you, you if somebody is is uh, molesting lots and lots of people you would expect to see some of, of those kinds of situations because because most people who have horrible abuse remember it,
1: right? And and along those lines, though, Doctor Loftus, I have and I know that you you know you have um, been very supportive of Mark Pendergrass' work and his book on this. And I'll ask you specifically about his book in a second. But I have a a, a different theory about how repressed memory therapy worked in this case. I, I think that uh, in, in not all, but in many of these situations, uh, that this is an upside down set of circumstances. See, I think this whole case is upside down. And what I think really happened is that repressed memory therapy was used as a clue for these guys to understand how it is that they could still be believed after never having told anybody about this and having acted very friendly towards Sandusky for years after the alleged abuse occurred, that this was their way, uh, a kind of a get out of jail a free card, if you will, that people will buy it. If you claim that you had repressed the memories or that you had had post-traumatic stress disorder, and that they were they were basically learning how to scam the system through the therapists, can you what can you give me your take on that theory?
2: There are a number of of studies that have looked at how lay people or or jurors in particular will react to a claim of repressed memory versus a claim that, you know, it happened to me and I just didn't talk about it because I was embarrassed. Uh, I never forgot it, and now I'm, I'm going to tell people about it. Um, the, taken together, these studies shows that the non repressed memory claim actually is a little more credible in the minds of people. But what you have in this situation is an extra layer, which is uh, there's all this p- sort of post-event uh, uh, supposedly post-event contact right. and friendly relations that, that need to be explained away. Exactly. And so, and so it, you know, it, with that in mind, yes, I can see that maybe somebody would latch on to the idea of repression as a way of explaining all the uh, apparent affection and adoration and, right. and, and repeated contact.
1: Well said. Now, uh, give us your assessment of, of Mark's work on this and his book, which just got released this week, "The Most Hated Man in America: Jerry Sandusky and the Rush to Judgment."
2: Well, I think first of all, I, I've been I've read a number of Mark's past books and this uh, portions of this one, and um, he's a he's a he's a terrific writer. He's it's very engaging. He's he's pretty conscientious, and uh, and it's it's kind of brave of him to. Uh, come out and take a stand as it is for you uh, with about somebody who is so despised that you, you can't even have a decent conversation with anybody about it unless you toe the line.
1: Correct. Uh, And by the way, there's a very fine line between brave and stupid. Just ask my wife. Uh, (laughs) She'll be the first one to tell you. Um, Let me ask you about a, a specific element of this case which I believe is the reason, or at least one of the reasons, why the Penn State administrators uh, had you as a consultant to, during during their case. Although you ne- you never actually testified at any level in that case, did you?
2: I don't know. I don't. I, I, you know, most of the uh, consulting did, I did was years. You know, several years ago, and so You,
1: I, d- you I, didn't repress. I you didn't repress that memory, did you, Doctor? <laughs> no.
2: I. But I don't. I don't think I actually testified in any setting. I may, I may have written a report, but okay. I, I just don't remember right. right now.
1: All right. Well, here's what I want to ask you about, the the infamous Mike McQuarrie episode. Yeah. And, and um, because it is absolutely amazing to me how much damage was done because, uh, you know, people, especially in the news media, have accepted this story as gospel. When here's what we know for sure. <laughs> we know that Mike McQuarrie never testified about this in any way publicly until 10 years after the event and when he did he testified incorrectly to the date the month and the year in which it happened and what to this date doctor and I, i've spent an enormous amount of time just this week including emailing with jerry sandusky himself from prison still trying to figure out what the actual date of this event really was because i think there's Very strong reason to believe that the date that the prosecution eventually told the jury, February 9th of 2001, is also incorrect. And here's a situation where a guy thought it happened in his first telling after 9-11 when it actually occurred sometime well before 9-11. Based only on that set of facts and what you know about memory, what does that say about the credibility of the story?
2: Well, people sometimes a misremember dates and, and, and times. I don't... There is a phenomenon called forward telescoping where you remember things as happening more recently than they really did. So I, I, I think that is maybe not quite as severe as, as some of the changes in the story. And, and you know, did, did he just hear something? Did he actually see something? Uh, what did he actually do uh, what did the two people supposedly do i i I think the changes in the story but, are maybe more
1: well, well let, uh, me, let me let me let me play devil's advocate though doctor, because one of the uh, important elements of this story is how dramatic an event was it that McCqueary saw, and obviously, if an event was very dramatic, you'd be more likely to remember for instance what year in which it happened and and I'm curious you don't you don't believe that the post 9/11 pre 9/11 problem is significant based upon that because to me I've never thought wait a minute hold on you supposedly saw a local legend let's be clear you supposedly saw a local legend sexually abusing a young boy all right that's a massive event in anybody's life yet 10 years later you think it happened after nine eleven, when it actually occurred, well before nine eleven, that doesn't jive with it being a major memory. What what, what have I got wrong there?
2: Uh, 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 we just don't agree about that.
1: <laughs> well, no, but explain it to me because I want to understand.
2: I I, I mean, I just I'm I, I'm just saying that he's it's ten years later that he may not exactly remember uh, when it happened.
1: You would you see I, again? To me, you would remember the year, especially, by the way, as a football coach. Because college football coaches, everything about their life is based upon a year. Because the college football season occurs... In one year. So you remember, okay, in 2001, we went to th- we didn't go to this bowl game, or we went to that bowl game, or we did this. this okay, was- so we, we
2: don't have to agree on everything.
1: I'm no, sorry. No, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm not asking you to agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to understand. <laughs> I'm trying to understand. Okay, so. So, so I would- Trying to remember a traumatic event
2: in my life and tell it to somebody just two days ago.
1: Okay.
2: And and uh, you know, and I had to sort of calculate. Well, when would it have happened? And uh, well, let's see. I was babysitting, and uh, this happened and this happened. So I had to be probably sixteen, mm-hmm. maybe seventeen. Uh. Uh. And and I had to kind of figure it out by other things I knew, sort of triangulation.
1: I get it. No. And so. I, you know no i i get it i get it but this was this was 10 years later uh in an in an event that was supposedly huge and in my view and i think we actually agree on this part in my view was not a huge event in my in my view that this was turned into a huge event and this is maybe the most important element that i'd like to get your okay so
2: you it but don't try to talk me into it
1: because uh, i, I, Dr. I, Dr. I okay. <laughs> Doc, i'm not trying to talk you into anything i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> ask you i'm gonna ask you another question
2: okay good okay, okay. and right. then i'm gonna have to go pretty soon i have a ton of work to do so i,
1: I understand so let, okay. let let this is our this is the last issue i want to get to okay because this deal this is also important with regard to mcquery okay so so mcquery doesn't act for all these years anything like somebody who has seen a, a sexual assault and, uh, you know, he, he plays in Jerry Sandusky uh, golf tournaments, jokes around at him, a charity event, never uh, goes to the police, never does any, of that, doesn't, you know, didn't uh, react at the time like uh, he saw something horrible because he didn't uh, eliminate, you know, get, try to save the kid, didn't break it up, didn't beat Sandusky up, nothing like that. And then all of a sudden investigators come to him in late 2010 and they say to him, hey. We heard you saw something with uh, Jerry Sandusky with a so boy. So, are
2: you saying he did not he did not go to visit Paterno, and he did no, not no, go did. with his father, and he did not tell his father and all that stuff that no, he claimed?
1: No, I I believe that he absolutely told those people. I think the timing, the timeline in which he did it, may not be what he's currently claiming, and I don't know if that's because uh, he misremembered it or he's trying to create a narrative that facilitates that he saw something dramatic I'm happy to talk to you about that uh, you know between you and me yeah okay uh, but, but, well, we- but 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 let, but let me get to this question because this deals directly with the way memories are formed okay because I'm fascinated to hear your reaction so so 10 in, in almost 10 years later late 2010 investigators come to him Say, we heard you saw Jerry Sandusky with a boy in a shower many years ago. We're investigating Jerry Sandusky for child sex abuse. We're wondering if you can help us. Having investigators come to a guy who's, you know, a football coach, not really versed in this type of situation. Obviously, you're going to trust investigators, what they tell you being t- Mike McQuery being told that Jerry's being investigated for child sex abuse what would that do to his, potentially to his memory of what he thought he witnessed all those years earlier
2: well it could it could lead to an exaggeration of an ambiguous situation in the in in the direction of something that's more consistent with abuse
1: so that would make sense to you that, that
2: then, absolutely makes sense if somebody is going to label if you label something a particular way, people rem- will remember it in the direction of that label
1: and this is not just speculation on my part because t- McCleary ended up testifying uh, that quote and this was after you know the the media firestorm and everything he, he actually was asked, did you ever?" Tell anybody at Penn State that Jerry Sandusky should not be around the program, be around the locker room. He said yes. On cross-examination, he said he was asked, was this before or after investigators came to you to ask you about this episode in late 2010? And he said, quote, it was almost certainly after. And that to me is the most important piece of testimony in the whole case because McQuery is inadvertently acknowledging he never thought of Sandusky as a danger until. Investigators came to him and told them they were investigating him, and then they, I believe, manipulated this story out of him because they desperately needed a witness. Does that make sense to you? It, 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 it's possible. Yeah, okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, Do- Dr. Loftus, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. Okay, and-
2: sure, and good luck to you with what you're you're doing here. All
1: right. Thank you very much.
2: Okay, take that's,
1: care. That's Bye-bye. Dr. Elizabeth Loftus, distinguished professor at the University of Irvine, and uh, someone who is quoted uh, rather. Um, Dramatically in uh, Mark Pendergrast's book, *The Most Hated Man in America: Jerry Sandusky and the Rush to Judgment*. That's our number two. Our interview with Mark on this week's edition of the World According to Zig podcast. If you're interested in more uh, facts about this case, there is a a voluminous amount of information at my website, www.framingpaterno.com. That's framingpaterno.com. Please make sure you share this podcast via social media, Twitter, Facebook, or word of mouth. That's greatly appreciated. And as always, do yourself a favor and if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep you use sheets please pay attention to this important message my name is john ziggler our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com.
0: coffee oh thanks how did you sleep Ugh, like a baby i don't want to get out of bed ever these sheets are mm, incredibly soft Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheeks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheeks. Try Sheeks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use
2: promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. Coffee?